Hi, my name is Dr. Sheena Cameron. And I'm Reverend Gerald Cameron. And welcome to Word Up, a community, a community where, where preachers, preachers grow. So when the devil try to take me down, remember James 1 and 12 receiving that crown. Satan had me bound. See, I was lost and found. I put my faith in ye. Now I got angels around. So open if you've up been preaching lectionary, you understand that the lectionary texts get very long in Lent. And so they commence... Um, with a very, very long reading of the Passion, Jesus' trial, and um, I would say in our con- both our contexts, we don't. We lean heavily towards Palm Sunday uh, because our palms are a big deal. They are ordered and advanced, and um, they are, uh, well, they're handed out, they're lauded. Uh, it's just something where I think also uh, to balance that, we have Good Friday. So I think a lot of reason why we don't focus on a passion text is because we are going to get a lot of that on Good Friday. Correct. And so this year, um, as I'm reading, as we're reading this text again, um, the verse that sticks out to us is verse 10. Uh, Matthew draws to this question Um well, it's a crowd that poses this question in verse 10. Who is this? Who is this? And that jumps out to me throughout this entire text. Who is this? And we believe that Matthew makes the claim in these 11 verses of who is this as we are talking about Palm Sunday. So one of the things about Matthew, first of all, going back to the lectionary, if you've been preaching lectionary this year, you understand that it feels like you jump out of John and out of nowhere, here we are at Matthew. But to make a very long context short for Matthew, Matthew is confirming Jesus as that long awaited Messiah. And that is important to Jewish people who are looking for a Messiah, who were looking for the Messiah when Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. And I also think when it comes to really those connections to the Torah and even to the prophets, Matthew is connecting Jesus as a prophet because not only because the crowd of replied that he's a prophet, but Matthew is connecting Jesus, his, the confirmation of Jesus fulfilling the scripture to the prophet Zechariah, to the prophet Isaiah. So definitely really, uh, giving us that, that perspective that confirms everything that the prophets had predicted he would do and say that is really huge for Matthew. And because of that, there are certain aspects in Matthew that really makes it stick out compared to other gospel accounts. Uh, One of the parts that you may have noticed, which makes Matthew's uh, Palm Sunday narratives unique, is the fact that there are two donkeys in Matthew versus Luke's account, Mark's account, uh, and John's account, which is one donkey. 
And that is in part because it's tied directly to Zechariah uh, 9, which my wife has shared as far as Matthew's connection and helping us uh, understand that this is the triumphant entry of a long-awaited king. Zechariah 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you. Righteousness and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And so you see in Matthew this intentionality to connect and to bring to the surface um, this Jesus that is coming in to fulfill uh, prophecy uh, and to come as God's own uh, God into the, 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 the world, to the cross, to save humankind. Yeah, and even um, being uh, the son of David and then uh, Lincoln, you know, we, you know, we say, uh, we said in another episode of this podcast, if you've been following us probably a year or so back, but, uh, you know, in a black church, he didn't came down 40 in two generations. And when, and what we're talking about is the genealogy presented in Matthew. And so when, when we're talking about Jesus being the son of David, it is directly linking Jesus to the lineage of King David, who again was not only just an important figure, just for figure's sake, but one of the stalwarts in Judaism, one of the uh, kings, obviously complicated king, but I would even say in a black church, I've heard more sermons about David than I've heard of any one single person, because I feel like you can relate David on so many different levels. His call story, um, him being a shepherd, Jesus being the good shepherd, um, uh, even uh, David in terms of being a psalmist and, and the way that he wrote. I feel like we connect his psalms even when we preach the gospel because for us, they feel like gospel. Hmm. Now, as you're preaching this, as you're trying to put together... Uh, what you will say on Sunday, uh, keep in mind and pay close attention to Matthew's intent and Matthew's intentional imagery. Um, one of the one of the, the, the pieces about Palm Sunday um, that is very important is to look at the posture in which Jesus takes in this text. And the posture is worth noting because when we're when we're answering this question that is posed in verse 10, who is this? Matthew unpacks it by really drawing on the imagery of humility that this Jesus, our Messiah, the one who has been prophesied to come is a savior that doesn't come in the grandeur of of what people expected him to come as, but he comes in a humble fashion in comparison to the authorities and the the government officials of the day. It was interesting as I, as we were 
unpacking this text, um, there is a commentary by Marcus Borg that talks about the two processions mm-hmm. where in Jerusalem, there's two processions that, that, that are happening. Um, one procession is, of course, in this text in Matthew 21, as Jesus and his disciples are coming to Jerusalem. And then on the other side of town, there is Pontius Pilate, who is governor, who is there, who is um, coming to town to meet and greet and to show his authority. And you and there is a distinction between these two triumphant entries into the same city. You have Pontius Pilate who wants to be seen and has the greatest war horse. It's not in this text, but social commentaries around this text draw to the fact that Pontius Pilate um, was a big show off. And then you have Jesus who literally flips what power looks like upside down. And instead of coming in a war horse, Uh, with all the pageantry of what it means to look like you have power, comes in the most humblest form, comes with a donkey and the donkey's baby, a colt, and rides along into uh, Jerusalem. It really, really draws, when you're thinking about this text and preaching it, um, it's hard not to talk about the humility and the posture of humility that Jesus takes and literally flips what it means to be powerful upside down. And I think also, too, is a couple things. I mean, my mind is going all over the place uh, a little bit different than when we prepped. But I do want to touch on this touchstone of the Lord has need of it. Um, I think going back to what you said about the war horse um, and going back again to David. Uh, so that's why I feel like that connection to David uh, for Matthew in the uh, lineage is so intentional and it is so poignant because we know that David was a person who said, hey, this doesn't work. I need my slingshot. I need my small stones. This is how I do it. I know how it can be done, but this is how I do it. I can't work in that. So when 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 Jesus tells the disciples that if somebody questions you, the Lord needs it. I think that it is a curious question to think, especially on Palm Sunday. Um, you know, a lot of times we we need to order the palms uh, from the from the from the florist, and it's just way getting way expensive nowadays. But I digress. We need to order the palms. We need the pageantry. We need the outfits. We need the Easter baskets. We need Holy Week to be, especially as pastors, super stressful and all these events and programming all at once, really converging and culminating. That's what we need. But what does the Lord need? The Lord needs a humble donkey. I don't know if y'all ever went to a state fair and if you ever looked at the stallions, we talked about that before. You look at them stallions and you turn around and you look at the donkey. The Lord needs the donkey, not the shiny stallion, not the stallion that's pronounced. You know, when, when, when they sing about the brick house, literally 
built like a stallion. Not the one with the pronounced muscles, but the Lord needs the donkey that's kind of wayward, kind of frumpy. May make a, miss a step every now and then. You know what I'm saying? With the baby in tow. Because it's like, hey, I have my baby with me. I'm kind of trying to, I'm, I'm trying to hold myself up and hold you up. But I need to look at my baby from time to time. That's who the Lord needs. And that, not only does the Lord need something that's humble, but it speaks to the type of people. So the Lord uses a humble horse, but it speaks to the type of people that the Lord uses. That ties into what they actually are crying out. Because they're crying out Hosanna, uh, which in tradition, traditionally growing up, um, and you could take it a couple ways. Uh, we've always in our context um, Hosanna as Hallelujah, but Hosanna and Hallelujah are distinct because Hosanna literally means to say, "Save us." Or rescue us. And in this text, the crowd is being vulnerable and saying, save us. You, we need to be rescued. Um, we are willing enough to be humble to say that we need saving. And how our Jesus comes into Jerusalem humble on a donkey to save us those who are willing to shout aloud in the streets that they need a savior um, and so this text you can take it many ways you could preach it many ways I was going to talk about I was going to go further in verse 10 but I know we're trying to stick to time but there's definitely a lot of meat in this text um, also consider this text in light of what has gone on this week. Um, at this time of this um, podcast, um, we have um, we bore witness to um, a senseless mass shooting, another mass shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, where it took the lives of three babies, three young children, and three um, um, administrators at a a a. a Presbyterian um, school, day school, um, and hold that intention with all that's going on with gun violence in our world and our march to really um, put a ban on assault rifles and what does it mean to um, walk in that tension with all that's going on and so as you prepare your message this week um just acknowledge the fact that there are people wrestling uh with this subject and wrestling and trying to make sense of a god of peace in the midst of um turmoil and chaos and what seems like unchecked violence correct and so what does it mean to side with a Jesus who doesn't come armed, but comes in humility, but actually makes a big impact, the biggest impact <laughs> by the posture of humility? And so how do we walk into that in the midst of what what is going on now?
Yeah, and I think that um, even just to close that out, I mean, you can go so many places with this text or you can go so many places with Palm Sunday. But the point is the text tells us where to go. And so on these uh, major days, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, even Easter, I'm not saying don't stress because that's not something that I can say to you because I understand it's a very stressful time and you want to do uh, fidelity to your congregation, but make no mistake about it. The text tells us where it's at. The text tells the story. And sometimes we just need to let the Bible speak for itself. Amen. Well, we pray that you have a wonderful Palm Sunday. 